Shortly after being elected Pope in 1978 on this feast of the Holy Family, John Paul II reflected on St. Luke's comment that Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. John Paul II said this is an indication of the educational dimension of family life. This submission, obedience, readiness to accept the mature examples of the human conduct of the family is necessary on the part of children and of the young generation. Jesus, too, was obedient in this way. And parents must measure their whole conduct with this obedience, this readiness of the child to accept the examples of human behavior. This is the particularly delicate point of their responsibility as parents, of their responsibility with regard to the man, this little and then growing man entrusted to Mary and Joseph by God himself. They must also keep in mind everything that happened in the life of the family of Nazareth when Jesus was 12 years old. That is, they bring up their child not just for themselves, but for him, for the task which he will have to assume later. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business, Jesus said. Kids, obedience is fitting for you because life brings experience from which to draw and learn. Your parents really do have something to teach you, something you need, something valuable. But parents, their obedience indicates your responsibility, which isn't just fulfilled by being older than your kids, but by pursuing a virtuous life worthy of imitation, which always looks to God for his plan for your children. And you must be on your guard, for as the Pope said, it's so easy to destroy essential values and very difficult to reconstruct them. Your family guided by faith is irreplaceable prioritize it. That's the advice given by Leonard Sachs, an MD, PhD, practicing family physician, psychologist. He's been involved with schools around the world. I came across him in a book called The Collapse of Parenting. You should read it, whether you're grandparents, parents, or teens. He wrote, if parents don't come first, then kids become fragile. Here's why. A good parent-child relationship is robust and unconditional. My daughter might shout at me, I hate you, but she would know that her outburst is not going to change our relationship. My wife and I might choose to suspend some of her privileges for a week if she were to have such an outburst, but she would know that we both still love her. That won't change, and she knows it. Peer relations, by contrast, are fragile by nature. Emily and Melissa may be best friends, but both of them know that one wrong word might fracture the relationship beyond repair. That's one reason why Emily is so frantic about checking her text messages every five minutes. If Melissa sends a text and Emily does not promptly respond, Emily is afraid that Melissa may misinterpret her silence as indicating a lack of enthusiasm. In peer relations, 
Everything is conditional and contingent. Pursue a life of virtue informed by faith. Give good examples for your kids to imitate so they can grow up strong and wise. Just heard a story told by a father the other day. The story goes back many years in his life. He said that his daughter, who was at the time eight years old, apparently had two autoimmune diseases at the same time, which created terrible pain for her. So it was something like trying to walk with two broken legs. And he pulled her aside one day and said, kid, here's the deal. We live in a culture of victimhood. And you are going to have to determine what your illness disease is actually preventing you from doing and what you're tempted to use your disease as an excuse to not do. Unless you get on top of it, it will get on top of you and dominate your life. And that's extraordinary. You want that depth of character, that interior place from which you can draw and communicate something of substance to your children. Now, if you're not quite at that point, well, start more simply, like eat your vegetables and hold to that. You don't like what your mom has fixed for supper, that's okay. There's just nothing else for you to eat tonight. Give your children chores. Require them to do them. Restrict their access to devices to help them prioritize what is most important. That is your life as a family. Prioritize family life. Don't be afraid to be unpopular or different. And don't neglect the bond with your spouse on which your family rests. A bond that takes effort and isn't easy as you know, and it can't be because it's part of a covenantal bond which means it's intended to transform you. Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who died a couple years ago, a married man with kids, he wrote this. He said, marriage is fundamental to society because throughout history, it has been the most fundamental way in which we recognize something beyond the eye of self-interest, namely the we of common good cooperative relationships, shared identity, and collective responsibility. Marriage is fundamental to the moral enterprise because it's the supreme example of the transformation of two eyes into a collective we. It's the consecration of a commitment to care for an other. It's the formalization of love, not as a passing passion, but as a moral bond. Just as God created the natural world in love and forgiveness, so we are charged with creating the social world in love and forgiveness. That love is a flame lit in marriage and the family. And morality is the love between husband and wife, parent and child, extended outward to the world. Better lives and a better world begins at home. On this feast of the Holy Family, remember the responsibility and the transformational opportunities with which God has entrusted you. 